Well, hi there. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and uh, hey, thanks for joining us for today's episode. Over here at Unshaken, our purpose is to glorify God through regularly recorded podcast episodes aimed towards women that promote the truth of God's Word as all-sufficient and also support the belief statements of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Our mission really is threefold. We want to inform you on topics of importance. We want to encourage women in their everyday lives to live for Christ. And we want to challenge women to grow and change to honor God. This unique avenue, a podcast, allows us to get this truth of God's Word into your home, your car, maybe even into your headphones. Our podcast is a mixture of personal interviews, recorded teaching events, and even some current event discussion. Hey, take a minute and head over to your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podbean, CastBox. You can even hear us on Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast. It so helps us out. And it also helps you out because you get notifications of any new episodes that drop. New episodes drop each Thursday. You can always go back, though, to our archives and listen to any of our episodes that you've missed, or you can even re-listen to an episode that you really liked. As I mentioned a little bit ago, this podcast is under the umbrella of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Um, We used to have our own Facebook page, but now we come under the Women of the Word CTW social media account. We have that in our show notes, so you can head over to this account. And I have to tell you, it is so much better than just our unshaken Facebook account. Here's what's so cool about this social media page. Number one, you're going to get great content every single day. You're going to hear from our mom-to-mom ministry that happens monthly. We're going to have some great things about how to be a good mom and how to honor God with our mothering. You're also going to get a chance on Tuesdays to read our article from our Planted blog. It's called Planted. I think you're going to love it. It's great. So much content on this, so much good truth, and you can just read it at leisure. You can even go back and read old articles that have been written. We also have a ministry called Regarding Him. That's where a lot of our talks come from that we share, recorded talks. And um, I think that you're going to love that. And we have that particular conference every March. Uh, Of course, you're welcome to join us um, if you live near Toledo or want to travel to Toledo, Ohio. We would love to have you come. And if not, you get to hear all about it on our podcast. And you get to hear some of the great talks. We also will throw in a lot of great encouragement for women and a lot of good biblical truth. So join our Women of the Word CTW Facebook and Instagram accounts today. Hey, a couple updates for our podcast. I've mentioned these a few times, but until I have everybody listening again, I want to make sure that you know. First off, we are changing up how we organize our episodes. Instead of it being seasons like we had in 2020 or 2021, we're now just going to go based on numbers, which makes it so much easier. If you want to tell someone about a podcast episode that you loved on Unshaken, you can just say, hey, you should listen to 83 or you should listen to 94 or you should listen to 100. And then they can go find it much easier than trying to remember the exact title of the episode. Which also brings me to something else that's exciting and new. And that is that we're dropping an episode every single Thursday in the year of 2022. Lord willing, of course. We are excited. We have so many great ideas and things we're going to share with you. I hope you'll stay listening. All right. Today. Oh, and one more thing. 
And as always, if you ever have questions about how things work over here at Unshaken or you have a comment about a topic that you want to hear about, you can email me directly at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I love to hear what women want to talk about. It really helps us out in our planning. All right. Have you ever had a situation in your life that was really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Now, I probably can tell you that most women listening have. Maybe you, like me, thought, where are you, God? I remember a particular situation that I had in my life that was really very difficult. Something that I just loved doing, God said, stop. It was made very clear that this particular thing was not going to continue. It wasn't sinful. It's just God wanted me to change directions. I remember I got a phone call telling me that what I'd hoped would happen wasn't going to happen. And I just remember that I went right to bed that afternoon. I had so many emotions. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was full of sadness. I actually can tell you I really felt like God had let me down. Likely, we have all struggled with understanding and trusting in God's timing. Today, we're going to listen to a recorded talk given by Diane Walls on this very topic. It is called Trust in His Timing. It's a short little title, only four words, but wow, it is way harder to live. I know Diane has some great direction and encouragement. Will you and I wait and watch for God to work? So let's jump in and listen. This session is called Trusting in God's Timing. And the verse that I've chosen to use as kind of a theme verse is Psalm 62.8. Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your heart to him. God is a refuge for us. Now, um, we live in a day when waiting for anything is not seen as good. We have instant everything. We have instant food. We have instant shopping. And I really like that one because I'm not a shopper, so I can just get online and they'll deliver it to my door in two days. We have instant books. I don't even go to the public library anymore. I just log on and download the book to my nook. We have instant movies. Um, if I have to wait more than three minutes in the fast food line, I'm kind of fidgeting and fussing. And those of you who live around here know we have construction every which way you go. So if you get, if I get caught in construction for like 10 or 15 minutes, I'm wiggling in my seat because I am like you probably. I want what I want when I want it. I don't want to wait at all. Now, I've talked a lot about time to start because I want us to have time before our, our, in our hearts and our minds as we talk about God's timing. When I was younger, I worked at the hospital in x-ray. And in the afternoon, some of you that are older like me will remember, there were always the soap operas in the afternoon. And... We would be, I would be x-raying someone and they'd say, can you hurry up? I have to get up and walk and see my soap opera. And one of the big soap operas at that time was Days of Our Lives. Remember Days, some of you? Days of Our Lives. And the tagline that went into Days of Our Lives well, was, 
like sands in an hourglass, so are the days of our lives. So I brought an hourglass. Actually, it's a half hourglass. So I have two flips of this, less than two, to really talk to you about God's timing and his purpose in your life and to challenge you and, to, and convince you that our extraordinary God is in control of our timing. So if you get bored, just watch the, the thing down there. I want to look at timing in two time periods, one immediate and one future. But first, we need to understand something, that our timing, and in our timing, everything is now. But for God, his timing is not now. God is above that. In 2 Peter 3.8, it says, do not forget this one fact. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So as we look at God's sovereignty throughout today, we need to be trusting in God's timing. We need to bring it down to us, to the finite, because we live in time every moment of every day. God and his works, we say, are outside of our time element. We use a word, it's a theological word called transcendent. God is transcendent above all time. So that means if you have to go to the doctor's appointment at 4 o'clock and you're praying if about 4 o'clock to God, he probably already has it done. He doesn't have 4 o'clocks. But we also say that God is eminent. And that means that he's involved in his creation. He gives it meaning. Colossians 1.17 tells us he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, before you say, get me out of this place, I didn't come here to learn theology. I came here because I don't see God working in this illness. What a wonderful testimony to follow of Julie. I don't see God working and changing my child or my grandchild's heart of rebellion. I don't see him giving myself or my husband a job change that we've been praying for for a long time. I don't see God, I don't see my sister or my mom or my dad coming to Jesus. And I've been praying for a long time. I... I would ask that you stick with us. My prayer is that as we look at at the scriptures, that God will help us in a deeper way to understand and trust in his timing so that the next time that happens in our life, we'll, we'll trust and we'll be more faithful in trusting in him. So don't leave. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to talk about you. I pray that you would use your word and my words to encourage and challenge the women here. I pray that you will keep them alert, not to me, but to you and the thoughts that you have to give to them. Father, we pray this so that we may walk out women who trust in you in a mighty way. In your name, amen. There are many scripture stories of men and women who trust in God's timing in the immediate. And I want to start out with immediate. The first, I'm going to look at two passages. The first passage is in Acts 3, 1 through 8. And in that passage, you have Peter and John, and they're going up to the temple, and there's a man laying there who's lame, and he asks for alms. And Peter looks at him in Acts 3, 6, and 7 and says, 
I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus the Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were straightened. So we see that in the immediate, Peter and John trusted that God was going to heal this man right now, right away, right this time. They, they didn't have any doubt. They didn't say, well, what if I say this? I'll look foolish if it doesn't happen. They trusted in God in the immediate and watched him do it. I want to go to Old Testament passage to give you an example. Um, it's in Judges 6, and it's Samson. And you know the story about Samson. Samson was a judge of Israel, and he had great strength, but he fell in love with the Philistine woman, Delilah. And Delilah convinced him to tell him, her how he had his strength. And, and the Philistines came and captured him. And they took him off. They blinded his eyes and took him off bound. And when we pick up the story in... Genesis um, in Judges 16, Samson is blinded. He's about, you've seen this story when you were a kid in Sunday school, and he's got his hands out between two pillars. And Samson says in Judges 16:30, "Let me die with the Philistines." And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the Lord's and all the people that were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. So Samson prays that God will remember him and give him the strength to be God's instrument and the house comes tumbling down. That's just two. I picked one in the Old Testament, New Testament, two examples of trusting in God's timing in the immediate and God accomplishes it. Many of you here, I know firsthand, can point to times when you have trusted in God in the immediate and he's answered. Your friend's boss just gave the promotion that she was sure she was going to get. She was looking forward to it, and he gave it to the other girl. And she calls you up on the phone, and she says, can we meet for lunch? I'm so discouraged. I'm so disheartened. And you say, okay. And you're like driving there wondering, what am I going to say? What am I going to say to her? And you're praying, God, help me know how to encourage her. And you get there, and you have the words. God answers in the immediate. Or you get a phone call and a friend of yours has some terrible news and God compels you, the Holy Spirit compels you to go and speak to her. And you have no idea what you're going to say. You know this is way out of your league. You've never had to talk to anybody about this before, but you trust in God, you go meet her, and he gives you the words. Many of you here can stand up and give testimony to how God has answered in the immediate. Perhaps you've prayed for God for a physical thing. Your family's getting low on food and overcomes the neighbors with a bunch of veggies out of her, out of her um, garden. Or you just got your car paid off and your teenage son takes the car to school and he gets an accident. And he's fine, but your car is totaled. And you just got it paid off. And you don't have money for a new one. And you pray, God, what am I going to do? And you find out that Jerry has his car for sale cheap. Cheap enough that you can afford to buy it. God answering in the immediate. For me, an example happened a few weeks ago. I am parking garage challenged. Are any of you like me? 
you know, I'm okay in a car. We happen to have a sailboat. I'm okay in a sailboat, but you get me in a parking garage, and I can't find my car, especially at St. V's. You know, the one layer goes this way, and the other layer goes this way, and I come out on the second level, and my car's supposed to be there, and it's not there. And that kind of panic starts, and I say, God, please help me. I need to find my car. And sure enough, God has helped me find my car. I'm here today. I'm still on the parking garage at AVs. So think back to the last time that you trusted God was going to provide something for you or your family. Think about it. Do you have it in your head? Now let me ask you a couple questions. First, did you thank him for it? Or did you just go on your way and say, oh, that worked out nice. I'm glad it all worked out. Or did you stop and thank God for answering your prayer in the immediate. And second, did you think to yourself, I have to remember this because I need to know that this is the same God when the answer is not so immediate. We can think things happen by chance, but there's no way. God is sovereign, working in my life and in your life as we look to him. I want to move now because I think the immediate, trusting in God in the media is not quite so hard as trusting in God in the long term. So I want to look at trusting in God for the future. And I'm going to start out with a couple negative passages. And I do that because I think it's helpful for us, at least for me, to see the sinful areas in my life so I can confess them and then move on to the positive examples in the scripture. So we're going to look at two examples. One's a person, and the second one is a group of people. The first one is in Genesis 16. It's a story that most of you know. Abraham has a wife, Sarai. She becomes Sarah and her handmaiden, um, Hagar. And you know the story. Sarai is barren. She wanted all these little Abes running around, but God hadn't answered her prayer. And we can assume that Sarah... Sarai knew that God had promised her husband Abraham from like Genesis 12 that he would be the father of a whole bunch of people. Or if she missed it in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Abraham and God cut a covenant and God told Abraham, go out and look at all the stars in the sky. That's how many your descendants will be. But there weren't any around. There weren't more people. More children, or any children. So I want to read four verses from chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 in Genesis. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to Sarai's voice. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Did you catch that? Ten years had passed. Have you been waiting for something for ten years or longer? If so, you know that's a long time. You can identify with Abraham's wife. All the offspring weren't happening. 
And so maybe, just maybe, God needs my help or a push. That's what Sarai thought. That's sometimes what we think. So Sarai took her handmaiden Hagar and moved her into Abraham's arms. It's not that Sarai or you or I don't trust the Lord and the fact that he'll bring it about, but sometimes it's just maybe, maybe he needs some help because he's far away and we're just the person that's going to help. What does wait on the Lord and his timing mean? Wait, I looked up that word, to stay in a place of expectation, remain stationary in readiness or expectation. And Sarai was neither expecting in both senses or stationary. Can you identify with that? Think about an area right now in your life where you're waiting on God's timing. Are you standing in your heart and your mind, waiting, watching for God to work with expectation? Or are you like Sarai? She moved. Are you moving? What are you moving to make your desires happen? God's just a little too slow here. He needs my help. There is a stopness, and I know that's not a word, you English people. It wouldn't, my computer didn't like it, but I liked it. There's a stopness, a stillness in trusting in God's timing. There's a watch and see the hand of the Lord. I like acronyms. I like triggers to help me to think about God. And when I was working on this, I was driving in my car, and I thought, I just need, I need something to grab a hold of. And I stopped at a stop sign. And I looked over, and I thought, I want to stop trying to push God around. I want to wait and trust him. So I said, what could be an acronym for STOP? So I thought about it, and I came up with Surrender the Object Pronto. Now, that's kind of goofy, I know, but maybe it'll be a help to you, because it's a help to me. Surrender the Object Pronto. A lot of times when I'm driving around, that's when I'm thinking and I'm grumbling and I'm like, God, this is just so slow and things aren't changing. And I look over that stop sign Surrender the object pronto. You and I oftentimes get tired of watching and waiting. We argue with God and ourselves. We go to verses like Psalm 37.4. You probably know what that is. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we say to ourselves or we say to God, this is a desire. This is a legitimate godly desire. And you aren't holding up your end of the deal. It's a promise, God. I got this little book at the Christian bookstore that was all full of promises, and it was in there. It is a promise. It is a promise. But you say, Lord, my desire is for another baby. My desire is for a husband. My desire is for a new job. My desire is that my mom won't badmouth my husband or my kids. My desire is that this disease will be healed that I'll do well in school and pay attention now. Yes, it's a promise from God's word, but notice there's no time limit in there, is there? 
I have had desires in my life that were not ungodly, but became a sinful stumbling block to me because I wanted what I wanted, and I wanted it right now. Not down the road, or maybe, just maybe, not at all. Can you relate? Can you say, I'm with you on this? I think my desire is more important than in trusting in God's plan and timing and desires in my life. I would venture that all of us in this room have thought those thoughts. Can you, can I purpose in our hearts that we want what God wants and desires his timing? It's only possible if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So the bottom line is, is your desire to be more like your Savior, to bring glory to him in this situation that you have in your head right now, and trusting in him than what you personally desire? Only you can answer that before God. I want to move on and look at another negative in Genesis 32. This is a group of people. Um, Excuse me, Exodus 32. I'm like, that's not it. (laughs) Exodus 32. And you know the story. Moses had taken the people of Israel out of Egypt. They are in the wilderness. They come to the bottom of Mount Sinai. And Moses is up on the mountain speaking with God, getting the Ten Commandments. Verse 1 of 32. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come make us a God who will go before us. For this man Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Moses is above. Israel's below. Moses isn't coming back in their time frame. Are they trusting that God's taking care of Moses? That Moses will come back when God wants him? No way. They figure, well, Moses isn't coming back, so we have to have plan B. And that's the golden calf. Plan B. How many times do you and I just plain frustrated with waiting and coming up and waiting and waiting and we come up with plan B? No stop for us. We are in go mode. Maybe God isn't hearing what I'm saying. Maybe God's forgetting me down here. Maybe God needs a push. Maybe I'm not phrasing it right. Or, God, are you deaf? (laughs) Plan B. Plan B. I'll figure out how to get this done, how to fix it, how to make it happen. I'll change it myself. That's you? Let's look at verse 9. That's me. The The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, there are obstinate people. In some translations, it says stiff-necked. I love the word obstinate because it's a great word picture for me. We are quick to visualize obstinate. Do you know obstinate? Your kids? Obstinate. Think of your own kids when they're obstinate. Or if you're here and your kids are not obstinate, think about your friend's kids because they're obstinate. Or better yet, this is for sure, think about a brother or sister. They're always obstinate. Think about the girl at work who, when the boss wants something done, the girl at work says, we're going to do it my way. 
Always. Got to do it her way. Or think about once again you ask your husband about uh, for a new couch and the springs are slowly coming up and he says no. Obstinate. You, do you have a picture right now in your mind of an obstinate person? All right. Think about you as that obstinate person before God. Would God say about you, I have seen this woman, and behold, she is obstinate. Do you mentally or emotionally do this? I'm not listening anymore. You ever hear your kids do that? Do it my way. Do it in my timing. Did God have a plan for Moses and Israel? For sure. Did they know the plan? No. Were they called to trust in God's timing? Yes. Does God have a plan for your life? For sure. Do you know it all? No. Are you called to trust in his timing? For sure. Now, I don't want us to miss another key part of this story. Israel was not willing to trust in Jehovah God and his timing to take care of Moses and to return him. Not only were they sinning in disobedience to waiting on God's timing, but they made another idol, the golden calf. When we are not trusting in God's timing, what is our golden calf? How do we manipulate? Not maybe gold earrings and things, but we set something else up to take us away from depending and trusting in God. Israel now had a visual, tangible thing that they could move. Again, you see that movement? Move about a material object. A lot of times we will make an idol of a material thing. We're struggling with infertility, marital issues, health concerns. Is a husband on the horizon? Why don't people at school like me? We'll buy a new dress, new tennis, new makeup, new jewelry. Women, I think, are especially prone to making ourselves feel better but if we don't get what we want by buying something or purchasing something new. And you can sit here and say, well, that's not me. I don't have any golden calf. You, you'd invite me over to your backyard. There's no golden calf in your backyard. I don't make material things an idol. Is there anything, if you look truthfully into your heart, that is diverting your trust in God and his timing? A new activity, a new job, a new hobby that will just keep you from plain old trusting in God and his timing. You can become so excited about this new object, this new thing, this new activity, as Israel did, and you don't have to worry about God at all. We need to examine our hearts. When you go home, you need to do an obstinate heart survey and see if you fit that mold. This conference title is Trusting an Extraordinary God. There is no one like him, no one to compare him to. And when you leave today, our goal has been that you'll take your ordinary faith and place your trust in extraordinary God. Trust in his sovereignty. Think for me for just a minute. If there is a single event in all of our lives that can occur outside of God's sovereign control and timing, then we can't trust him. His love may be infinite, his power, but if his timing of events 
if we can change them or someone else can change them, then we cannot trust him. And God says he can be trusted. Or how about looking at it this way? No one's plans against us or even mistakes, sometimes they're mistakes, can thwart God's plans for us. Proverbs 21.30 tells us there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can, can succeed against the Lord. No detail in your life is too insignificant for him. No circumstance is so big that he can't control it in his timing. This, this teaching has been very hard for me to prepare. More than once, I was tempted to call the committee and say, I, I just can't do this. I, I really, I just can't do this. And if you talk to my husband and the hours that we talked about it and some friends who are sitting in here who faithfully prayed for me, it was very difficult for me because I want what I want when I want it. I want to help God out. And the sin of being in control, I finally realized, was all over my heart. I couldn't even type on the computer. And I prayed diligently. And I looked at all the old examples in my life and the, and the good ones. And I looked at all the bad ones. But they just didn't seem what God wanted me to share with you. So I prayed for a fresh situation to trust in God. Now, I prayed, you're laughing, I prayed very apprehensively because I knew God was, this is teaching me. He wanted to teach me. And to be really frank, I really didn't want to trust in God for another another situation. You know, I wanted to kind of like smooth on out here. But God, as I was praying and struggling, drops a brand new situation in my life. Baby Joseph. And, and I want to give you some background so you'll, those of you who don't know our family, so you know who baby Joseph is. I have a daughter, Renee, and her husband, Paul, and they have seven of my ten grandchildren. Their ages are 22 to 3, 2, 3, and the three-year-olds are twin little girls that were adopted in a private adoption in Florida. Now, if you back up about four and a half years, Renee and Paul decided and felt that God was leading them to add to their family. So they went down to Lucas County and did all the classes to be foster parents. And God, in his timing, blessed them with a little foster baby named Nathan. And we loved Nathan. My daughter, granddaughter are sitting here over there. You can ask them. We loved Nathan. And we thought for sure Nathan was going to stay. We prayed for him. And when he was about seven and a half months old, he left. They took him and they found a relative out of state and Nathan left our family. Now I want to fast forward to, to this summer. Renee and Paul kept up their license at Lucas County, and this summer they got a few calls, actually, for babies to place in foster care. And every time my daughter would call me up, and she'd say, oh, they got a little girl, da 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 or oh, the next time they got a little boy, and I would say, give her some pros and cons, and I'd say, I'll pray for you for God's will, and I'd hang up and pray that she said no. There was no God's will in it. I, 
because I I didn't want to I didn't want to go through the is he staying is he going is he coming what's going to happen to him and I thought to myself I prayed about Nathan I trusted God look what happened he didn't do it right was God in control in that situation was that sinful so in July into my grandma world came baby Joseph and I thought, trust in God, mm-mm. And so I hardly talked to him. I never even called him Joseph. He was always baby because I didn't want to, like, really get to know him because what if he left? And my heart closed off to him. But then about two weeks after his placement, God said to me through the Holy Spirit, you're teaching about trusting in God's timing, Right? Didn't you pray for a new situation to trust in my timing? This is the very situation I put before you, a fresh one. As you face the other, as you can face the pain or the, if it will be heartache and, and pain or peace and joy trusting in God's timing. And so I looked at that in the lives of women and I see women that their disease won't heal. And as we just heard, Julie, trusting in God's timing in it. Waiting for a husband. Allowing God to be my husband now. Dealing with older parents that are struggling and serving them now in this time as, as unto the Lord. A rebellious child. And trusting in God's timing for this rebellious child because he knows him or her and loves him or her better than you. Will this child stay or will this child leave? Delighting in planting seeds of love right now. I could go on and on. Will we know if Joseph is staying in our family? Only God knows. God has Joseph in our lives to teach us to trust him and his timing. If he leaves, will we be heartbroken? Yes. Yes. But God's plan And growth in our lives and our love for Joseph is his work and not ours. Every day is a gift. Every day is an opportunity to rely on God. What is the baby Joseph in your life? It may not be a foster baby, but God brought you to this breakout session because you have something in your life that's not playing out like you thought. Something that you're trying to manipulate or control. Will you confess your own plan and willfulness of wanting it done in your timing as sin? Do you really trust in a sovereign God who loves you to do what will bring him the most glory and bless your life the most in his timing? Well, I'm out. I have a little bit more. (laughs) Now I want to leave you, though, That seems kind of negative, but we need to be challenged in that. I want to leave you with a positive example. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Habakkuk, actually. Um, It's an Old Testament prophet, way minor prophet, way back in the Old Testament between Nahum and Zephaniah. And I want to work through Habakkuk quickly. I'm not going to take a long time here, but to see how I see a man who trusts in God. 
All right, so Habakkuk's ministering for God, and he sees the people around him, and they're doing idolatry. You guys still awake out there? This is the best part, if you don't remember anything else. And he's frequently called on the Lord. Habakkuk 1, verse 2. How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, yet you will not, you will not save. How long, O Lord? How many of you have ever said, how long, O Lord? How long? God seems to be silent in this situation. God, God understands our hearts, and he hears our cries, even if we don't see the answer right now. He is working, even if we say, how long, O God, like Habakkuk? So Habakkuk is crying out to the God, how long is this going to go on? When is this going to stop? And what is he doing while he's doing that? Um, Chapter 2, verses 1. I will stand on my guard posts and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I'm reproved. Can't you see that? How long, O Lord? But he's standing there looking for God to work. He's wanting to see what God is going to do. What are you doing while you're waiting on God's timing? Are you like Habakkuk, looking around to see how God is working, his timing and events around you? Are you continuing to serve him? Or have you stepped back in self-pity and destruction? You know, God's not doing this. He's not changing it. Is that your attitude? While you're waiting on God? The situation right now in your mind, as I speak these words, is it holding and hindering your walk with the Lord? In your, is your mind so preoccupied with that that you can't praise or serve God? If that's true, then when you get home, you need to ask God for forgiveness. For what your heart and mind are saying is that God's not trustworthy. And you need to seek his forgiveness. What are you doing while you're waiting on his timing? Well, the Lord replies to Habakkuk that his silence doesn't mean that he doesn't hear or is ignorant. God's going to take action. And Habakkuk, God's going to raise up the Babylonians, that's the enemy, to come over as his instrument of punishment and take away all of Judah. Read the three chapters of Habakkuk when you get home. And we look at that truth and we go, what? Wait, here's godly Habakkuk and he's praying for God's help. Come on, God, now is the time. Come on. And God says, yep, it's almost the time, Habakkuk. And I'm going to defeat my people and I'm going to use the wicked Babylonians to do it. Talk about a crisis of faith in God and his timing. That would be for sure. Trusting in God's plan and God's timing ends up being exactly what Habakkuk doesn't want to happen. We have to be, I have to be honest with the word of God. Trusting in God's timing doesn't mean it's all going to play out like you or I want. We are willing oftentimes to wait on God if it looks like it's going the way we want it to go. Are we willing to wait on God as long as it takes even if it doesn't go like we want it to. So another important question to take from this session today is are you willing to trust in God and his timing if it happens differently 
than what you have in your head or if it never happens. Yep, that's what I said. Are you willing to trust in God and his timing if it happens differently or if it never happens? That's really where the rubber hits the road in the Christian life. Well, let's look at Habakkuk's response. I think that'll help us. Chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 2. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He gets this news. He just heard that all of his buddies are going to go on a long trip out of the land. And what does he say? Let the earth be silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. Maybe that's what God is saying to you today here. Be silent. Quit your fussing. Quit your carrying on. The circumstance, the trial, the thing that you want. Susie, Jane, Marie, I'm in my holy temple. I know what's going on. I am accomplishing my work. And Habakkuk, this is why I like him, doesn't give up praying. He hears that all his friends are going away, and he asks for God's mercy to be made known in the situation. He asks that he, in prayer, that he would be able to accept God's plan and timing. If God has answered your prayer in a way that's not his plan, are you still seeking him for his mercy to accept it and love him even more? Habakkuk doesn't turn his back and pout. He prays that God will revive his work. But it doesn't end even there. You can see why I like Habakkuk. Godly man, you know, he doesn't say, but God, you know, these are your people. You know, they just, they didn't mean to do this. And you can't do that, God, and shake his fist at God. No, that's what we usually do. Habakkuk humbles himself before God and praises God for his holiness his justice, and his righteousness. You see, the Lord is in control. The Lord knows what he is doing. And for Habakkuk and for us, that is to be enough. Let me close by reading um, these last, the last three verses of Habakkuk. But before I do, if you're sitting there and you say, Diane, you're, you're asking too much. I'm not asking you. God is asking you to trust in his sovereign timing. These closing verses are so special to me because there's been many times in my own heart and in my own life that things haven't gone according to Diane's plans. And I have run to these verses and asked God to help these verses to minister to me. So before I read them, I want you to remember that in Habakkuk's time, It was very agrarian. There were lots of crops and cattle. And when I was looking at this, I thought it would be like us finding out next week that Jeep's going to close, Pometica's going to close, Anderson's going to close, TPS is going to close. It would affect almost everyone in this room. Think of that as I read these verses, 17 through 19 of chapter 3. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines... Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exalt in the Lord. 
I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet and placed me, makes me walk on my high places. Though I might never see myself be the top student at school, though I might never see my mom, my my dad, my co-worker, my girlfriend come to Jesus, though my husband might never love me the way I want him to love me, or maybe I won't ever have a husband, though this disease that my friend has will not be healed for me, Though I might never see Joseph grow up, I will live by faith, exulting in the Lord, rejoicing in the God of my salvation. Will we be women of praise in the midst of waiting? Women who trust in God's sovereign timing, knowing full well that his plans and timing are best. We started by this key verse. I should ask Madeline if she memorized it. Psalm 62.8, trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge. Trust in him when? All times. Gals, there's not a magic formula. I can't give you eight steps to trusting in God's timing. We're sort of like the kid when he asks his mom for the umpteenth time, Mom, why do I have to do this again? And she says, because I said so. Have you ever said that? Because I said so. When we say to God, God, why do I have to trust you again? And your timing again. And he says to us, because I said so. And there's lots of verses in God's word that says, because I said so. So will you thank him? The next time immediate answer comes, will you thank him? And remember, this God who answered you in the immediate is the same God who's working long-term in the future. Will you stop? Will you stop? Will you surrender? Will you give up your plan B and trust in his timing? Will you examine if there's any golden calf in your life? that you have set up so that you don't have to think about God, that you don't have to trust in him. And will you confess that is sin? If you're here and you're waiting on God, will you continue to worship, continue to serve him, continue to do what he's asked you to do, fully trusting in his timing? Will you ask God for the ability to praise him no matter what? that situation in your life today that could be very hard will you ask God to praise him no matter what you know sometimes our life often looks like one of those old soap operas they're broken messy a lot of heartache but we want to be women who can say like sands through the hourglass So is God's timing in our life. Okay, so did you catch the question at the end? Diane asked us a really powerful question. She said, are you willing to trust God's timing if it happens differently than you thought? Or if it never happens at all? Boy, that's quite the question, isn't it? I appreciate her reminder that we need to trust God in the immediate and 
also in the long-term situations. So I guess it makes me ask, how are you doing on trusting God and His timing? I have to say that I struggle with that sometimes. Sometimes I think my timing is better, but we know God's timing is perfect. I love Diane's comment to just stop fussing. I can remember so many times that I told my kids, stop fussing. We'll figure it out. We'll do what we need to do. You need to be patient. Probably I need to tell myself that more often. Hey, today I'm going to leave you by reading a couple of important things to me. First off, I want to share a quote from John Piper. I love this quote. It is one I read a few years ago in the middle of a trial, and boy, was it powerful to read. John Piper says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Isn't that so true? God is always at work. Sometimes he works out the things in a way we want him to, and sometimes he works them out differently, but they're always the way he plans. Hey, let me leave you with Psalm 91. I love this particular chapter in the Bible, and I thought it'd be a great way to end this particular episode. So sit back and listen to God's word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the dead deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That was Psalm 91, 1 through 16. What a great reminder that God can be trusted, that he protects us, and that he walks with us through every trial. Hey, join us next week for another episode of our specific installment series called Feminology. We are going to have part two next week. You might want to head back to episode number 83 and re-listen to that or maybe listen to it for the first time. And then join us next week for our second part in this year-long series focused on biblical womanhood. I think you are going to love those particular episodes. Hey, don't forget, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.